0: Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together welcome back for the ninth installment of our extra lore series recorded live on december 1st 2016 on twitch.tv big shout out to the chat here thank you so much for spending your evening with us our topic for this chat is an exploration of the Borderlands series this is your host blue crew 86 alongside me we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower Justin Sane oh five one six justin what are your thoughts on the topic
1: I actually really like Borderlands. It's kind of a goofy, fun, very comic book-like adventure, and Handsome Jack may be my spirit animal. I, I actually like never... everything. everything <laughs> that uh... is disturbing.
0: <laughs> but you know, it is. it's really accurate.
1: <laughs> I actually kind of enjoyed everything about it, other than... Just, uh, you know, having played a lot of Destiny um, at the time when I got Borderlands, the collection, mm-hmm. um, I was really used to Destiny. So that was hard to get used to. But oh, otherwise, like graphics a wonderful wise? series. Uh, yeah, like mechanics-wise.
0: Me- oh, mechanics-wise. Okay, cool. Well, due to a last-minute change of plans, Mel is actually not able to join up with us tonight. But I'm sure... I'm sure if you ask really nicely in chat, she will be more than happy to let you know her thoughts on the series. She kind of has a passion about this particular series. We're also joined by a resident elixir apologist and a huge fan of the Borderlands series as well. Damn well, Damo, where can we find you? And what got you into Borderlands?
2: Um, I actually was pretty psyched when the very, very first game was coming out ages ago. Uh, I liked the the art style and the Advertising was pretty compelling, and I picked it up. And I think I sunk almost forty hours in a row uh, in it uh, when I first picked it up. So I guess it was love at first sight. Nice.
0: <clears throat> you know, in the sense the sense of humor helps.
2: Oh yeah the the storytelling was great, and the the art style is fantastic, and the world building is actually uh, pretty good for a, a game that old.
0: Yeah, that's that's very true. Actually, I will agree with that. Before we start the chat, however, I do have a few of the normal housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the world of Bioshock. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please also give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation in the first week of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian radio network found at the guardians of destiny.com. These include guardian radio, the official podcast for the guardians of destiny, guardian one and ghost and echoes, which also has the destiny audio grimoire. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the mass effect series. So be sure to jump into the discord server and weigh in on that. That chat is rolling at the moment with that let's do as handsome Jack advice and tighten up the big boy pants because things are going to get crazy. Damo, would you kindly start us off with a general summary on the information that we have about Borderlands?
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess I can just sum up the the basic universe then. Yeah,
0: I think that would probably be, and then we'll, yeah, I figure we can do that and then jump into like how each of the individual games. Sure. So
2: Borderlands is sort of a dystopian uh corporatocracy um, where there's a number of giant corporations that mostly make weapons that sort of rule over the galaxy or multiple galaxies. They don't really go too far into that, but um, and the core it's, it's a, it actually bears some similarities to serenity. The core worlds are really uh, opulent and everybody's happy and everybody's rich. And then there's a lot of border worlds where uh, things are not so, not so skippy uh, borderlands, Uh, takes place on one of these planets called Pandora, um, in which a company bought the planet to mine and moved a whole bunch of workers out there. And when the mining was not profitable anymore, they packed up all of their stuff and left all the workers there. Uh, This is not a universe where space travel is exactly cheap, particularly out there. So these people were literally stuck on a somewhat desolate world, and a lot of them went crazy. Some of them formed communities, and it created this kind of sci-fi wild west-esque place where people are stuck in this hellscape and just trying to make the best of it either by becoming murderous bandits or by banding together and forming towns um, prior to this there's kind of a precursor race called the Iridians, who by all accounts were some magnificent high-tech race and eventually disappeared and rumors abound that they have treasures scattered all over um, the universe. And one of these treasures is rumored to be on Pandora. So in the first game, your characters show up on Pandora as treasure hunters, um, kind of contracted by this uh, somewhat morally ambiguous gentleman named Marcus, um, who we'll get into later. And <laughs> you go on adventures trying to find this fabled vault. And that's kind of the the beginning of the, the long story.
0: Well, and, you know, I'll be honest. The thing that got me really interested in Borderlands was the first game's intro. That intro is still one of my favorite intros to a video game.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I th- I think that one is exceptional. Borderlands Two is pretty strong too, but yeah. it's not. It's just not quite as good as the. It's not the cage like, the elephant. The, the cage oh, the elephant song is so strong. It
0: was it, and it summed it up so well. Like yeah. the entire time you play Borderland, the first Borderlands, it's like this is this is that song is a true summary of this, like the, the, was it feeling. the uh,
1: no rest for the wicked.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 It was just like, Oh man, I just, I remember watching that for the first time being like, yep, we're getting that game. I don't even know what it yeah. is, but we're getting, it, it. was pretty
2: much, it's pretty much what I meant with the, the, the like the advertising just drew me in like yeah. i was so so psyched for that game i there's very few games these days that i get really excited about but i was just just based on the art and like the, the the visuals and the music like i was all in on that game so and it it paid off
0: yeah oh yeah it did i mean they have three main games and we have what two spin-offs and well Technically, two spinoffs because Tails. Uh, Tails was.
2: Yeah. I've never done yeah. Tails t- is not a spinoff. Technically, it's part of the main universe. It's game, oh, it is part. Right? Okay, it's, but Legends.
0: Yeah. Legends was a spinoff, right?
2: Legends was kind of a spinoff because it's just a mobile game. Okay. Um,
0: oh yeah, no, that's right. Tails. Tails was the uh, the Telltale. The Telltale. T- yeah. Episodes. Yeah. That and
2: and I'm not actually as familiar with that because I haven't played through it because I'm not a Telltale fan, but
0: yeah i tried i tried the fables game that they did it they did okay but i i don't know it's kind of a wonky there's a, a weird mechanics in there yeah but, okay so let us dive into the first one which is obviously borderlands yes we do Should have, I take the- you want do you wanna lead do you want us to give you a break
2: uh no i can i can lead okay. um i don't mind uh, just interject if we want to, uh, if you want to pause. So the, f- the first one's actually a little bit, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of up and down. It was a really good game, but there's definitely some flaws in the story, which will become evident as I talk about it. And even <laughs> the company, the company has acknowledged publicly multiple times, um, including an anecdote that I'll add at the end. Um, but in the first one, like I said, you're, you're contracted by this gentleman named Marcus to go find this vault and split the treasure inside when he when you're on your way to where he's going to drop you off to start gathering information this mysterious um person contacts you over the their communication system that they use in the universe and says that she's there to help you the vault's real you're the one that's going to find it and she's going to she's going to back you up and she is kind of referred to as angel and she sort of leads you through the game um you I'm not gonna go into too much detail, right? Just kind of an overview of the story. Yeah,
0: let's let's do overviews. Cause to be to be you know, to be fair, the chat did the chats for these games, like this game and especially the Mass Effect chat, you know, um I've I've gotten a couple of questions recently from some of the newer individuals in their Discord server, and really it's it's kind of a, a double edged sword, to be honest, for the extra lore, because we only have a month, so you know it's kind of like it's hard to keep everything crammed in. So we try yep. to we try to like give basic summaries. Yeah. Um, we do have okay. individual channels, and obviously we're not going to summarize the, the insanity that goes on in those. But um, yeah, so okay. summaries, summaries. Let's go with summaries. Okay,
2: so the basic summary of the game is that your characters, you have competition. Um, this company, this corporation, one of the evil ones that sort of runs the galaxy called Atlas, is on the planet and trying to find the vault, and they're pretty close. Um, you find a couple, you find you, you run into a huge cast of characters, um, that help you in this. One of the important ones is Tannis, this completely insane scientist who has supposedly a key to the vault. Um, you go, you, there's a, there's a lot of conflicts between you and Atlas back and forth, trying to track down where the vault is and find all the pieces of the key, um, and to protect this town, um, and this one woman named Helena Pierce runs. Um, eventually, you you assemble the key just in time for Atlas to kidnap it and Tanis, and they spirit her off to the to the vault to open it up. You race after. You fight your way through the vault, and you start getting some inkling that maybe this isn't a big treasure vault. Maybe this <laughs> isn't quite as it. Everything isn't so copacetic. Tanis has been warning be you that cell. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> this might, yeah, it might be a little bit more of a cell. And so you get there, and the person who's in charge of the Atlas forces pops open the vault, and a giant tentacle monster out of your worst nightmares charges <laughs> out of the vault. Yeah. Um, and this is one of the things, this is I'll go into this, this is one of the things that was disappointing, and that this is one of the worst designed boss fights in the entire history of video gaming. Um, you can you can literally win by just standing behind a pillar like and covering three quarters of your character and <laughs> shooting the guy, people. and he just doesn't he doesn't even do it. If the game's years old, they can do that. Um, there's in fact the guy who writes the second one, a gentleman by named Anthony Birch, does a web series that I'm gonna shout out to a little bit here called hey ash what you playing and they film some at the borderlands thing and they actually go into some mockery over how bad the ending of the game was because it's a fantastic game all the way up and then you get to the ending and this this loot stash that you're supposed to get is full of tentacles and nothing else (laughs) and you're just like but why tentacles and when you get there angel's like yeah i knew there was nothing really in there but i needed somebody to kill it because it was going to get out eventually anyway so thanks and then you're done the end that's the end of the game like it's it's just really unsatisfying and it's just it's kind of anticlimactic and they they do fix some of that in borderlands 2 but with a little bit of retconning anyway um i'm gonna go into one of the dlc most of the dlc is not super connected to the main story but there's one that is kind of vital um and that's called general knox's armory um in this you kind of finish off the atlas corporation um you get a Uh, distress call from from somebody who's in jail and wants you to come help them take down the atlas corporation and you go and you bust them out and it's this operative named athena that used to work for the atlas corporation but now is desperately interested in tearing it down at the foundation so you go on adventures with her and eventually kill her her ex-boss named general Knox, and in doing so completely disassemble the atlas corporation um, which will come up a little bit later so that's the first game, in a nutshell, so to speak. Do you guys have anything to interject? Anything I missed?
0: No, I the the final fight was the one that I was gonna talk. <laughs> it's a totally no. legit fight. The, I don't know what your complaints are. The final abomination
2: of uh, ruining the <laughs> well, game. <just> yeah, the, <laughs> I was just gonna say the nature the
1: nature of Borderlands being what it was. It was. N- the final boss was never going to be the, the linchpin of the whole game.
2: No, it's just, it's just, it's just very anticlimactic and kind of a letdown. And there's, there's (laughs) rumors as to why that happened because, because it launched near the same time as fallout uh, three did. And it launched near the same time as rage. So it, there was a lot of supposition that a lot of, a lot of the elements that ended up being very good came in at the last moment, like the cell shading I know uh, did come in at the last moment. Okay. And a lot of people think that they kind of sci-fied it up to, to distinguish it from Rage and Fallout. And that's why the last boss is like that, and it just didn't – it was too close to the release. That's you know,
0: that, all, it's all that rumor actually, and supposition. Yeah, but that makes but a but it lot of sense because I can see the similarities just, between it and Rage especially
2: yeah and Rage originally like it was originally not supposed to be a sci-fi game it was supposed to be like Rage just a post-apocalyptic got it Mad Max I think I think the
1: final boss should have just been like a giant skag (laughs) Um, I mean
2: they got you in Borderlands 2 then yeah they do (laughs) (laughs) because let me tell you about one of the most awful missions in that entire game (laughs) turns out it's a giant (laughs) skag (laughs)
1: I remember that one, oh
2: that that yeah. they had to patch because it was severely overtuned and if you went in at level, it was almost unbeatable. I've done a lot of
1: stuff in Borderlands too <laughs> that was unbeatable for my level so yeah
2: um the 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 telto game, if I remember correctly in the chronology takes place um. Yes, it... just before the pre-sequel, I think, or maybe it's—is uh, it after Borderlands Two?
0: Uh, b- 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 so, boom. let me see. I have let me. Go, I there's have a really
2: it. good chronology. Yeah.
0: So, who
1: were our playable characters in Borderlands? So you, Z- you
2: had the, the 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 playable. Oh, that's a good. That's good. That can segue into stuff. So the the playable characters were Brick, who's a big, huge, punchy guy. He's not very he's complicated. A, he's a He just likes hitting stuff. Um, yeah. Um. Um
0: mordecai
2: roland uh who's the commando he's an ex-military okay, very by the sky. he's a good guy um general type very leadery um overall a good guy mordecai the alcoholic foul-mouthed uh guy with a, a lovely pet named bloodwing
0: the best character ever
2: <laughs> uh, mordecai is utterly fantastic he's a sniper <laughs> And the final one is the kind of interesting one, which is Lilith, Mm -hmm. who is a siren. Now there's a peculiarity in this universe in which there are at any given time, six sirens in existence. Um, These sirens have magnificent powers. And when I say magnificent powers, I mean, actually like sorcerous world bending reality altering, I mean, guardian style powers. Um, They're always female, and nobody knows why it happens. Um, we do find out a little down the line that it is tied to the Iridians somehow, but we don't know 100% why. And I found out the Tales from the Borderlands happens after Borderlands 2.
0: Yes. Uh, episodes 1 to 3 take some t- place sometime after events in Borderlands 2, right before pre-sequels, prologue, and epilogue. Yeah. And then the the I think that's episodes 4 and 5 take... I think after the epilogue. Yeah, so.
2: so so that's a that's an interesting thing in the universe. Is, uh, and Lilith is the first one we meet, right? Uh, shall I go on?
0: Yeah, let's. Uh, nope, wait. Yeah, Justin's before got a we before we move on,
2: absolutely.
1: No, no question. I just wanted to throw this out there. I think this warrants some mention. Borderlands, the original Borderlands, was awarded. The Guinness Book of World Records world record for most guns in a video game. Yes, so yeah. there were a lot of guns. to Well, collect. they were were Was Borderlands so the with one,
0: one, one that them. was procedurally generated, or was that Borderlands 2? Uh, somewhat yeah.
2: procedurally, the Portal yeah, Border, Borderlands been was because yeah.
1: it was seventeen million seven hundred
2: fifty <laughs> thousand. They they came up with a really good system that they've been rocking ever since to make really interesting loot, and it's honestly probably the best procedural loot system i've ever seen um because it mm-hmm. basically everything was at least somewhat usable right it's not like destiny where you pick up a gun sometimes and you're like wow this this isn't even worth disassembling i'm, <laughs> I'm ashamed i'm ashamed to have gotten this weapon i don't want these weapon yes. parts because they would go into other weapons and i don't want those weapons to be tainted you by don't this want weapon. That curse yeah you don't want that curse falling you around <laughs> uh whereas in borderlands like they're bad guns but you know you can still use them if they tickle your fancy right um and so I just I think it's a really incredible system.
0: Was it, and
2: it basically? It's 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 each weapon has parts, right? They they right. actually designed parts for each weapon, and then when it's generated, they randomly roll all of those parts and slap them together, and that's the gun you get. So there's actually a lot of variety, and like some parts can only run roll with certain manufacturers, but certain manufacturers can roll with random parts, so they can get like you know maybe you have a a doll baseline but a, a hyperion barrel and that'll completely change the way the gun works versus like a doll gun that has both has all doll parts um so you did not just say doll parts i did <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was i've been saving that
0: <laughs> was it was it borderland i can't remember was it borderlands or borderlands 2 that had the gun that you reloaded by throwing That
2: Borderlands 2 introduces that, the Walmart of guns, as Gearbox described it. Uh, The corporation (laughs) called Tedior was introduced to replace Atlas, and literally their guns are so cheap that it's not worth putting ammo into them. You just throw the gun and it explodes, and then they digitally construct a new one because that's literally cheaper than using real bullets in this gun.
0: I love those guns.
2: Like, in fact, they don't build reload mechanisms into them because know, it's just, that's, the they're, 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 that's too much money. There's no there's no reason to put a clip into this gun because it's just it's so garbage. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, like you, these are I literally love... things you would buy at a 7-Eleven. You would walk in. I just love you'd the You'd get godsend. a Red Bull. You'd get a bag of Funyuns. And hey, there's a Tatey shotgun. Where do you and, live? And if the 7-Eleven was on Pandora. You'd immediately walk out and shotgun three guys to death because they're there. I'm in Texas,
1: and I can't get a shotgun at (laughs) 7-Eleven.
0: Oh, my God. I just remembered the first time I picked up that gun, I was like, where's the – re?" oh, you're – wait, what? I actually
2: can't use those because I'm a compulsive reloader, and you actually lose ammo if you throw them, and they're partially full. So, like, I didn't realize that, and I was using, uh, like, a shotgun or something, and I was like, man – I fight four guys, and I'm out of shotgun shells. What's happening? And I like looked the next time I threw it, and you, you lose the ammo that's in the gun when you throw it, if you reload early. And I was like, oh,
1: <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you throw your purse at them, Daniel. You lose all the contents.
2: Well, this is an exploding purse with shotgun shells in it.
0: Um, okay. The, the interesting thing that I have, if we're going to run to Borderlands 2, is as far as voice acting, actually – the individual who voiced roland in borderlands is actually the voice of marcus in borderlands 2 or no he's he's yeah marcus lloyd is uh the same voice actor in the two different games so I i thought that was there's there's uh i think so marcus
2: is different in the first
0: one uh yeah i don't let me see I have it. Uh, Brew, it was in the first one, I believe it was Bruce Du Bois, Du Bois. And then in Borderlands 2, or maybe it was a different Marcus. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Sorry. My, my, my mistake. Roland was voiced by a different individual. It was Oliver. Toll. Yes. yeah, Oliver Yes. Oliver Toll yeah. in the first one, Marcus Lloyd in Borderlands 2. My, yes. my mistake. But yeah, he's the
2: only, I think he's the only one that doesn't.
0: Yeah, and then Lilith the was voiced by Colleen Clickenbeard, and she—I'm trying to remember. She was someone else, and I cannot—I'm uh, going to have to look. But I, there she she also voiced a couple other people.
2: Yeah, a lot of the people in the first game were multiple characters, mm-hmm. honestly. like,
0: Well, diverse. that doesn't—I mean, Fallout does the, the same thing, and Skyrim. Yeah all the massive worlds do so, but yes. Okay. So borderlands two. So
2: borderlands two begins in a somewhat similar fashion. You've been, you're a bunch of treasure hunters or vault hunters as they call it this universe. You are headed to Pandora to find a new vault, the Jack, the the great hero of Pandora. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just going to play this low for everybody who knows. So that's, or doesn't know. So he's assembling people to find this vault and he's bringing in tons of vault hunters. So you're on a train, you're headed to where uh, the vault is and some bandits attack. You fight them off. You go you go try to make sure everybody's okay. You go up to the front car and it turns out it's full of explosives. And Jack says, you know, ha ha fooled you. I don't (laughs) want anybody else competing with this. (laughs) You're all going to die. And he blows up the train. And a character that I didn't mention from the first one, but I should have, Claptrap, uh, who's yeah, this, yeah. who's this little, this wonderful spunky little robot who really does mean the best, but is kind of incompetent. Uh, rescues you, <laughs> uh, patches you up, gives you a communicator, and you know uses you to try to get out of this situation he's in, where he's basically at the end of the world and stuck there. So, um, that's, that's how you start your adventure. Jack starts taunting you, uh, discussing why you should have died. Maybe you should just go kill yourself
0: and how he Uh, purchased a diamond pony
2: and how he purchased a diamond pony. And while you're in this freezing cold, hellish wasteland getting shot, he discusses how crappy his pretzels are. (laughs) Um, he's, he's really, he's really a giant jerk, um, to you the whole time. So you, um, So you, you fight through this, this place you find yourself in. There's a bandit that kind of runs it. You pick up some new friends, you go kill the bandit. You take a train, a boat, sorry, to, uh, no more trains for you. Yeah. Uh, you take a boat to go to sanctuary, which is supposedly the last bastion of the resistance. Um, and you meet a gentleman named Roland uh, who is one of the characters from the first game, and he's the leader. He sends you on a couple of missions before he's going to let you in just to kind of prove yourself. Um, when you get back from those missions, he has been taken prisoner mm-hmm. somehow and is kidnapped, so he's he's out of the picture um, and has left you instructions to kind of prepare sanctuary for the inevitable um, onslaught that'll come because their leader's gone and uh, that you should not pursue him which you know being the dutiful treasure hunter you are you absolutely run off after him
0: (laughs) Um, is that when I'm trying to think is that when Athena comes in
2: no that's she's she's not in this game
0: okay am I thinking who's the siren in
2: Lilith but I'll I'll get there okay so um, he's been taken prisoner by this badass bounty hunter named the firehawk supposedly So you're going to rush off and fight off this firehawk and rescue Roland. You go and you kill hundreds of more bandits, because that's what you do in this game. And you find the firehawk and find out that it's actually Lilith, uh, the siren from the first game, under a guise uh, in an attempt to sort of basically... uh, create fear amongst the bandits and distract them so that Roland can concentrate on his resistance against Jack. Um, so you, you fight with her, um, against a bunch of bandits who are kind of taking advantage of Roland being gone. And she indicates that he's been kidnapped by uh, another group of bandits. Um, it's kind of a theme and that you should go rescue him because everything's going to fall apart with him. Um, Angel from the first game is still part of this game. Um, and you're, she's helping to advise you. And she says that, you know, she concurs Roland is too important to, to leave. Um, and you need to have him because he's the man with a plan. He's the one who has a plan to take down handsome Jack. And while you're the badass that can make that plan happen, you're going to need that plan in order to get him, uh, out of, out of power. So you head off and you meet uh, one of the more amazing characters in the game um, because you need to create a a truck that will fool these bandits into opening up their gates and letting you in. So you go meet this character named Ellie who's an utterly fantastic character and she is a badass and helps you build a bandit truck basically. Um, she had one when you got there but the guy kind of insulted her so she threw the truck with him in it into a compactor and squished him dead um because she doesn't take from anybody
0: she doesn't at all
2: (laughs) um and she's actually i'm gonna throw a shout out here she's one of the more amazing characters because she's um she's a huge huge lady like probably four or five hundred pounds and She's portrayed entirely positively, which is one of the things that I think Borderlands nails really well, is that they have their characters aren't just one archetype. Mm, right. Not mm-hmm. all the not all the women are like I guess usually there's two. They're not all like Femme Fatale or or um damsels, right? There's a ton of different types all throughout the game. You've got military, you've got the sirens, you've got Ellie. Uh
0: so there's a lot tina, of variety. Tiny Tina.
2: Tiny Tina, Tiny patro- Tina, which is just like a midget
0: psychopath.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then <laughs> Patricia,
2: it, Patricia, the scientist, right?
0: Gage. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the male, male characters are pretty similar as well. Cause like Mordecai, mm-hmm. you compare Mordecai to Roland or brick and it's like, you got,
2: well, and I mean, oh, one of the main characters in Borderlands two is confirmed by right.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: Yeah. It was kind of funny because Why? the, yeah. Um, Axton,
0: Axton, because
2: yeah. he, Axton flirts when you, when you res him, like when you res him, he'll flirt with the person who's resing him. And some people on the forums posted, oh, I think there's a bug in the game. He flirts, even if it's a male (laughs) resident. And the creator was like, that's not a bug. That's
0: intentional. Yeah. That wasn't a mistake. (laughs) I I think I I seem to remember that whole thing actually happening because everyone was like, "Like, what? Yeah.
2: So, so, I mean, they're, they're. Easy butt stallion. <laughs> Easy. <Can I? laughs> that Talk is the diamond horse, and it's not a horse made out of. Uh, it's not like a statue of a horse made out of diamonds. It's an actual, actual. living horse made of diamonds. No, as handsome as no. Jack informs you at length. Yeah. Um, anyway, no. so back to the back to the story.
1: It's not a sculpture or anything. It's a yeah. living horse that actually happens to be made of actually diamonds. <laughs> I'll just go get her butt
2: stallion. Say hello. <laughs> Um, so, (laughs) so, um, so you get the bandit car, you go into the dam, you start murdering all the bandits all the way through, you're informed, uh, you kind of hear some radio chatter between the bandits and Hyperion and Hyperion seems to not be so interested in paying the bounty that they had put on Roland. They're not really answering. Everybody's like, it's you know, the guy's getting frantic. He's, he's communicating with them and they're not talking back. You get to the top where Roland cell is and a whole drone army from Hyperion busts in and grabs him and runs off. So you, you kind of continue your thing running through the mission, uh, to try to rescue him from Hyperion. Now, not from the bandits. Um, and this is actually one of the interesting things and something I haven't seen in a lot of games is that the game actually has a divergent point here. Um, when you get to this boss fight, you, you can kill the boss and rescue Roland, but you can also, if you don't have enough damage or you take too long, fail the boss fight. And it creates kind of a, a side story that you have to do in order to rescue Roland, which I always thought was kind of cool. Um, so you rescue Roland, and you find out that he does. He has found out what's in what Jack's looking for in the vault. It's again, it's not treasure. Again, it's it's some big beastie, although in this case, it's supposedly a living weapon, not tentacle horror. Um, and whoever opens the vault will will imprint on it, and um, will will guide that, it. Yes,
1: yeah, is, is that the warrior? That's the warrior, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big freaking. Uh, I don't yeah, we'll, know what we'll to get, say we'll it get, to, looks
2: like we'll get to yeah. it, we'll get to it. So, um, so this is a big deal. Obviously, if Jack gets control of it, he'll have he'll have Pandora under his thumb. Sanctuary will be wiped off the planet. Everything will be, you know, horrible. Cats and dogs living together. It's just not good. So, you rush off to go and stop Jack, right? You want to, you need to stop his iridium operations. You need to get the key to the vault that he already has, and you need to kill Jack. So you race off to, um, talk to one of Roland's friends, uh, two of Roland's friends who are going to help you, um, get the key. Um, the first one is Mordecai from the last game. You actually have to wake him up. he's, in a drunken stupor. So you have to set a number of these horrifying bugs on fire and they make this ultrasonic noise, um, which will wake him up. And then he tells you that the, the key is going to be, uh, progressing on a train, um, and that you will need to stop the train in order to, to get the key. So he directs you to a friend of his and Roland's named tiny Tina. Um, and so you, you run off to meet her, and you find her um, in her little cave home place. Um, there's a bandit tied to a chair who's shouting obscenities while she sings Ring Around the Rosie to her own tune and eventually jumps on top of a plunger for the dynamite that she has strapped to the, to the bandit and blows him in, into many small, fairy chunks. Uh, I should note that she's like, I think, six or seven. In this game uh, oh yeah, Is she older than
0: that I think she's thirteen. hang on
2: thirteen. okay, no, yeah, she's yeah, six or seven in the in their backstory, which i'll I'll get to. so she tells you that uh she wants to help you, but her her stocks are low, basically some some bandits stole some stuff from her, so you have to go rescue the explosives, which are rockets uh dressed up like bunny ladies. Which um, leads to a lot of humor. So you go get those. um, And she spends some time in her workshop making some fairly creepy noises while working on these fine ladies, as she describes them. um, Before setting you up with these explosives, you go, you blow up the train, and go on your merry way. Um, I'm going to Tiny Tina's backstory a little bit and why she's part of this and why she's so young. Um, she's actually a victim of Hyperion. Her family mm. was sold out by bandits to Hyperion for, for some experiments and her parents smuggled in some explosives. And while the experiments were going on, they basically pulled the pin on a grenade and blew a hole in the wall, taking themselves out. So the tiny Tina could escape. And while she was just kind of wandering the, the, the waste is like a, as a young girl, Roland found her, And so she, trained with him and basically looks at him like her big brother
0: slash father because that was all of uh flesh stick i think
2: yeah that's the there's a mission in which you kind of find this out and it's sort of like it's it's sort of funny because like she's just this really off the wall uh like almost manically humorous character but like every once in a while these things happen and you just it's like this giant kick in the guts because like you're like oh and yeah. that's a, that's a thing Borderlands just in general does really well. Like they use the humor really to keep the mood light and to keep it all kind of ridiculous. But like every once in a while, they, they just like, like a railroad spike through your head, drive home that this is a real world and these are people and this is all kind of awful. So back to the story, uh, you, you go up the, you run up to where the train blew up. And expect to find the key. Instead, you find uh, Jack's prime enforcer named Wilhelm, who's this giant cyborg monstrosity. Um, your friends, Roland and Lilith, say, Get the heck out of there. You know, Wilhelm kicked our asses. There's no possible way you can beat him. Obviously, you're the protagonist, you kick his butt. There's no key. Uh, Angel informs you that, however, there is a really special power core there, which will help Sanctuary keep its shields online for a good long while. And maybe you should take that back to Roland, because at least this whole trip won't be a complete waste. Mm-hmm. So you grab the key, you head back to town. Roland's like, well, that sucked. Mordecai's like, I'm really sorry, my intel was bad. And you plug the, the key, or the, the, the core, in, and Angel or Jack informs you that Angel was actually working for him. This core has been a trap. Sanctuary shields drop, and everything starts going crazy. Lilith uh, teleports the city to safety. You get left behind. You go on some adventures. Emphasis Uh, on
0: what you just said. Lilith (laughs) teleports a city.
2: Teleported the city! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a great moment in the game, actually, because Jack's like... You know what are you guys gonna do? You don't have any shields. I'm gonna crush you. Uh, you know what? Do, what have you got that could possibly stand in my way? And Roland just says a siren, and Lilith answers with her t- catchphrase, which is sub, and he teleports the city. And Jack just like sits there for a second on the radio and goes, <laughs> huh. <laughs> And it's a great moment because this is a guy who always has a quip, and like that's the one time in the entire game where you will like, hear him hmm. silent. He's just like, "Huh, I don't know how to deal with that."
0: I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah.
2: So the next, so you eventually catch back up with sanctuary. They tell you that, you know, at this point, the only thing that you really can do to to win this is to kill Jack. So they send you off on a bunch of missions to gather some supplies. You're going to need an army, so they send you to find this guy called the Slab King, who runs a who runs a big bandit gang. Turns out he's Brick from the first game. Uh, you need a key, which you which you you know murder the crap out of a bunch of people to get. Um, during that particular event, uh, M- Mordecai is the one that's kind of gathering intel on the key because he feels bad about the last time, and unfortunately, his best friend and pet Bloodwing gets captured. And handsome Jack mutates it into a giant monstrosity. Mordecai's like, Don't kill him, you know, we can we can try to fix this, don't kill him. So you 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 try to wound him, you knock him down a little bit in health, you stop damaging him. Mordecai hits him with a trank, and then Jack uses some explosives and and kills him. Thus confirming that he is one of the most horrifying villains in the entire. History of <laughs> Let's say,
0: I'm trying to find a tactful way of saying that PG. It's like, <laughs> like he's just freaking awful. Um, thus confirms I, a common theory about Jack. <laughs> uh,
2: I should I should note also that uh, Mordecai was my character in the first game. Oh, I yeah. was Really, really attached to Bloodwing, like unnaturally so. So, <laughs> <laughs> I might have had to go buy a new controller. <laughs> and some spackle. <laughs> <laughs> so so you gather all of these pieces and you you go to where you think Jack is and you break through all of these layers of security. You you fight this giant drone ship, you fight all of these huge things and you go down to the core where the key and Jack are supposedly are. And you find not Jack, you find the key and you find Angel who you thought was an AI. She led you to believe she's an AI. She isn't. She's a siren, and she's Jack's daughter. And he's keeping her locked up down here and draining off her power and using her to power the key up so that he can use it to open the vault. And when you get there, she's like, I'm you know, i sorry that I lied to you. I'm sorry that I you know, led you astray. And she continued to help you after the betrayal. You didn't really trust her, but she continued to help you. And she's like, I can't keep living like this. I want you to kill me. And like she she kind of looks atrophied in the system she's in. It doesn't look like she there's much of her left. Like Jack is basically
0: a horrible you know, person.
2: Yeah, he basically, you know, used her up. Let's let's go no. A little easy. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack Lover, is Mark Marcus. He's got say. He's got comedic timing.
0: He does. <laughs> he he's a bad. very
2: compelling no, he can be, and he is. <laughs> so she she like begs you to kill her, Jack radios in and like tries to stop you 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 have to do a bunch of stuff you you know you're getting overwhelmed, so Lilith and Roland show up, and you're going through and you you basically disable all the defenses in the machines. her pod opens up and you you do what she wanted right you end her life mm-hmm. and jack has jack screams at you and then like breaks calms. And you you know you start talking you're like okay we've got the key we've got you know he can't charge it anymore even if he had it you know they, you start celebrating a little bit Jack teleports out of nowhere right behind Roland and puts two in his head um, he then slaps a collar on Lilith that kind of restricts her powers and drags her off and teleports away with her too leaving you alone in a room with a you know, a dead leader and your team kind of flipping their cord, right? Cause both Mordecai yeah. and Brick are excitable people is probably the nice way to put it. And they're not, they're not really happy. So, um, she does manage before she gets taken away to teleport all of you to safety, um, which is how you get away. um, Mordecai and Brick are kind of flailing, but they decide they have to go to the second vault. They have to confront him and they have to stop him from waking up the warrior. Um, You kind of run off and do some errands trying to figure out where it is. Um, They run off to do their own thing. They end up stealing a Hyperion ship so that you can get closer. You fight through armies of Hyperion bots and security forces. Um, There's kind of some hair raising moments where you're not really sure if Brick or Mordecai are alive. Um, you finally get to the final room and Jack is, it's too late. Jack has powered up the key. He wakes up the warrior and it's this giant draconic hound thing. Um, you fight it. You're the badass, So you kick the crap out of it. It dies. Um, everybody like Jack just kind of like you wound Jack. He's kind of sitting there bleeding and screaming obscenities at you. Lilith kind of approaches you, um, mordecai and brick kind of wounded but still alive come out and lois like i you know i get it if you don't want to if you if you don't want to kill him i'll take care of it if you do i literally didn't let her finish the sentence when i was playing i unloaded a shotgun into his face as quickly as i freaking could (laughs) the very instant they let me i put him down like a diseased dog (laughs) that he is sorry
0: justin (laughs) (laughs) Justin. come on (laughs)
2: there are two moments in all of gaming history where I've truly felt exultant and putting Jack down was one of them. Like I was so, so upset at that character by the time I got to the game, but that's the end of borderlands Two, Or sort of, sorry. There's one more thing. Uh, Lilith plugs in the key into the vault um, and it opens up a star map of the local galaxy and shows that there are in fact, not just a few vaults, but dozens across, spread across the galaxy. Um, And we, there's some intimation that Hyperion might know about it. So they kind of leave the game open at the end, indicating that, you know, you guys are probably going to have a long, there's no rest for the wicked is exactly what it's, what she says. Um, And you're, which cuts back to that first song Mm -hmm. and that you're going to have a lot of work to, to, you know, secure all of these vaults. So that these giant mega corporations, which are basically all evil with one exception, um, which is Torg, um, do not gain control of these huge things and and you know further oppress the galaxy. So that's the end of Borderlands Two.
0: And then we jump to the are
2: pretty we, well, actually I'll, I'll, I I want to do one of the DLC ones because oh, I do okay. a shout yep, out. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, go for it. Which is which is Tiny Tina's DLC.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay.
2: Um this one's going to be a little spoilery, so if people don't want spoilers, maybe fast forward or tune out for a second. Uh we don't know how sorry, there's a question in there. I'll put it up. I'll answer it. Now, um you uh we don't know how many vaults are on Pandora. We know that there's at least four that you open, I believe. I As see, you open one in the first one. Right now, one actually. in one in Scarlet's, one in Torgs DLC, and one in I believe there's four that you open. Um two of those are kind of minor vaults, though, and not the big deal. Um the indication from the key is that the the other vaults are big ones. They're like warrior or uh, I can't remember what the destroyer, which is the tentacle beast class vaults. Um and there's some touching back on that at the end of the pre-sequel, which I'll get to. So the Tiny Tina DLC is one of the most fantastic pieces of content ever created for a game, and it it's so good it almost rivals Borderlands 2 for quality. And it takes place after the game, obviously, um, and it's the characters sitting down to play a game to pass some time while an interrogation is happening um, downstairs. And Tiny Tina suggests that everybody play Bunkers and Badasses, which is a play on... Dungeons and Dragons. And so the whole DLC is Tiny Tina DMing a role-playing game. And, I mean, they they even get it spot on because there's a lot of great moments where, like, essentially a 13-year-old's DMing. So, like, the very first boss you fight is this unbeatable badass. And Lilith pipes up, like, you can't just have, uh, you know, an unbeatable badass as the first boss. It's got to be beatable. So she changes it from this unbeatable giant dragon monstrosity to a skelly man, as she calls him. And so, like it's this whole thing, and the, one of the reoccurring themes, and this is where it, it kicks you, kicks you right. Okay, so there's another one in the bo- Tales of the Borderlands. It kicks you in the feels because a lot of this DLC is based around like one of the first things that happens is Tiny Tina's like before the game starts. She's like in the intro, she's like, "Well, we should we should wait for Roland." And Lilith just kind of looks at her and she's like, "Uh, you know, Roland's not coming, right?" And Tiny Tina just brushes it off. And she's like, "Oh yeah, he's probably he's probably just late." You know, he'll be here later. And so this whole DLC Mm -hmm. builds up to her trying to accept that Roland's dead and even having this kind of mini breakdown um, where one of the characters pushes her and forces her to accept it. And she just has this huge, huge meltdown because it's, you know, the second time she's lost a parent, basically. And like things get back on track and you finish the game and she gets Tharsis, but it's just... If you haven't played through it, it's almost worth buying the pre the the or the the handsome collection, collection yeah. just to play through that DLC. I'm not I'm not speaking hyperbolically. It is some of the best content in the entire history of gaming. Like I can't praise it enough. So, it's, yeah. It's have a you, very strong endorsement. It's just it's rare I I'm I'm a very big proponent that um gaming can be an art form. And I think that's one of the times where gaming really reaches up and is right. Because it covers a very real thing. It covers it humorously, but also in a realistic manner. And it's just, it's rare that you get something that's so touching and so poignant and so realistic.
0: Um. Well, and like you were saying, like it also highlights the, the power of, the the juxtaposition of humor. I mean, I keep I keep thinking every time we talk about the humor in Borderlands with the Taken King, uh, with Destiny. You know, everyone loves Cade's interjections in Destiny, and <clears throat> we've talked about this. You know, we talked about it in the Cade episode. But Cade is he's not he's not as well. It depends on your definition, but he. I mean, he's he's also a damaged character, but he covers it up kind of the same way that Tina does, with that kind of that comedic. You know craziness. And yeah, it just if you write if you write it well, that type of character can be can be amazingly powerful. Not 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 like powerful in the game, but just like from a storytelling perspective, just a very very central character. And I think yeah, I think Borderlands does an amazing job with giving people. Not just one character, not just two of these characters, but I mean, like all the characters. And like, That's- if if you if you get if you have a character in Borderlands that has more than just a like a couple idle dialogue lines, there's a chance that there's actually a really deep story there. And I I really appreciate it at least because I mean every time I turn like I didn't I keep forgetting that Ellie and Scooter are siblings. Um. And, yeah, and
2: and the the sex bomb of the game, who actually, yeah, despite yeah, being I was just an absolute sex bomb, has a deep story too. Oh my god, Moxie! Right? Yeah, it, yeah, she has like Moxie's, there's like
0: their mom. And yeah, the entire and she, reason and, like Ellie is not in sanctuary is because uh, because Moxie, um, basically drove her away because of her well of her weight. I,
2: i wouldn't say drove her away well, she wanted she, her to live one yeah, way and ellie wanted, wanted to, to live the other way took yeah. off on her own right, right. so um i want to interject two things one is that that's a good point blue and like i think that's an often missed thing in storytelling these mm-hmm. days is that people too to fixate on just drama they forget that you need you need to like if you just pound the drama into people's faces eventually it just you get you, you become inured right it doesn't mm-hmm it doesn't have the same impact. Um, there's a lot of shows lately that I won't go into details because it'll start fights that I don't like because they, they, they forgot to put the lighter aspects of humanity in and like Borderlands does a really good job with that. And you're right. Taken King is another one where like all of these deep and terrible things are happening. Um, but they're happening with real people and in humorous times. So that the, like I said, you know, tiny Tina's story has such a big, huge you know, kicks in the gut because she's this humorous character. And so like, she, you get kind of lighthearted and then like the reality sets in and it's just kind of horrifying. And it also ties into the second thing I want to say, which is the world building. Cause you're right. Like all of these characters, like it feels the world feels like it's living and breathing. Mm-hmm. These characters have stories, right. Even sometimes when you don't know the story, right. Like even like early in borderlands one, when Moxie didn't have much of a story, there was, there was, there was a few lines that like let you know that there was a story there and it was coming, but, you know, you didn't need it all right now. So you didn't get it all right now. Right.
0: I would, I would also say, you know, that kind of also points, you know, we, we were, we were harping on Jack there for a bit too, but it also, you know, in the same way that these, these potent moments with Tina kick you in the guts, it also makes, it makes the dark aspects that Jack does. So like, I mean, if you think about, I mean, think about it in comparison to any other super villain in a game, right? I mean, what Jack does in the game is actually kind of on par with most other villains, but the, what makes it feel, you know, for me, this is just my personal opinion with him, but what makes it feel so much darker is the fact that 90% of your interactions with Jack are him joking. Like, he's he's kind of like an a-hole, but you know, he's just kind of like the, the talking head, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, with the Roland, with with Bloodwing, Like, I mean, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, you're reminded very violently that no, he, he is actually, <laughs> he is actually, a well, guy. and I'll
2: get it. I'll get into that a little bit too. Cause we're gonna, we're going to go through the pre-sequel, which shows okay. yeah, yeah, to yeah, some yeah. extent, the other half of Jack right. um, and how he got to where he is. um, And so, um, so we'll go to the pre-sequel now. Perfect. So the pre-sequel actually takes place the story takes place before the first game, but it starts after the second game. Um, When the game starts, um, Lilith has captured um, uh, Athena, who I mentioned in that first DLC, who worked for Jack previously and has her tied up and says, you know, if you want to live, you're going to tell us why you worked for Jack and what you did and why you did it. And, you know, then I'll decide if I want to, you know let you live and note that you know Lilith is not in a good mood here i I didn't really mention it but she and Roland were an item um, on and off again they're off again at the start on again by the end she's in fact stalking him on Facebook in uh, in her layer I'm not even kidding if you look at one of the monitors you can see Roland's Facebook or whatever their universe's equivalent is so she's 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 having a bad time so one of the neat things about Border, borderlands the pre sequel um, is the Borderlands series has had New Game Plus since the beginning. When you beat the game, you can play through it again with the same character at the same level at an increased difficulty. Athena's narrating Borderlands the pre-sequel, and there's actually different narrations as you play through multiple times. She's telling different people the story so that their interjections are the, change the way it happens, which is kind of neat. But neither here nor there. So, in the pre-sequel, um, Jack has discovered... Oh, did we mentioned the pre sequel vault? Maybe there's six. Um, that he's like he's found a vault on Elpis, the moon, and he wants to mm. open it up. So he has convinced Hyperion to move to, to move a space station over Pandora after the events of the first game. Um, and they're building the space station in the pre sequel, and like it's a big deal in the um in Borderlands 2, it's this sort of central hub for all the assaults on you. And so you're showing up to help him. Uh, discover this vault, um, and you know, open it up. And in this one, he's kind—he's of, not—he's not the leader of Hyperion, and he's much more affable, and he's not anywhere near as menacing. Um, in general, as you meet him, but he's actually like—he's really concerned for your uh, for your safety when you first arrive because things kind of go wrong. Um, so you you arrive on Hyperion, and it's being a this group of people known as the Lost Legion which is apparently a bunch of soldiers that Dahl left here and they decided that they had a sacred duty to do something. They don't really explain it at the beginning and I'll get to it kind of when it's appropriate.
0: And they have power suits very similar to fallout.
2: Yeah. Or, you know, power suits in general, but yeah. yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Okay, fair enough.
2: Um, so, you work with Jack to try to you, you catch up to Jack. He's trying to take back control of the space station. He's trying to get the security online. You find out that there's a, an external signal that's basically hacking the station, preventing the security from going online or in some cases turning it on you. Um, so Jack's like, okay, we just got to get out of here. Um, and this is, you actually see some morality from Jack. He's actually upset that these people are doing this because the space station's just filled with engineers and you know, cleaning crew and people, right. There's no, there's no soldiers here and these people mm-hmm. are murdering them. So he's actually really frustrated and angry that these people are just killing civilians basically, which is a very different side from the Jack you see in borderlands too. Um, but on the other hand, you kind of start to see as the game goes on that he's growing darker, right. As he's, as he's killing people and he's fighting and getting shot, he kind of seems to sort of enjoy it. And that's, mm-hmm. it's a little disturbing. But as you go, as you're trying to escape the state and there's a big, huge mech suit there that's blowing up the escape craft, you start firing at it because obviously this is a boss and you're going to fight it when this weird alien shows up and literally stops your bullets midair and kind of mocks you. And Jack's like, oh, crap, we need to run. <laughs> and like when you get there, you your character asks Jack, well, who is that? And he's like, I have no idea, but it, I'm pretty sure it would kill us if we fought it. So let's just get out of here. So you retreat to a different way to get out, um, which is actually this supply shot thing where they basically put drones or other things into these giant canisters and literally railguns shoot them at the planet. Um, and he's like, well, there's a chance somebody inside will survive, and there's not really a chance of anybody surviving if we stay up here, so we should just use this cannon to get out of here. And your character's like, is this a good idea? And he's like, probably not. <laughs> so things don't work out. You get shot in the cannon. Jack has to stay behind. Um, and you spend some time on Elpis, which is the moon where this thing is sort of working with the people down there, trying to find where this jamming station is. It turns out that this gentleman who combined the words sheriff and mayor into the Mariff, which gets mocked most of the whole game, is working for these people that invaded this Hyperion station and you eventually fight your way through his stuff and he's begging for his life and Jack just shoots him Um, basically saying that he was a bad guy. Um, And like the Mariff kind of panics and tries to pull a gun. And so, you know, even though he's sort of disarmed, Jack shoots him another sign. He's kind of going a little dark. Um so your next plan is that you need an army to take back the station. You don't have a lot of time to gather an army, you don't have a lot of resources, so maybe you should use robots because you have tons of of loaders, right? So you need a you need to you can maybe convert those into combat models. So you go to a doll station where there's an AI um, supposedly running it even though there's some ex-officers who've turned into bandits. So again, you're murdering your way through a, of bandits uh you get there and the ai actually wants to get out right she's being used by these people um in sort of creepy ways the guy has the guy running the place has a crush on her um and so you go and you you rescue her um and you jack you kind of she kind of befriends you she's kind of a friendly ai sort of quirky um, she's been chained to a ship for a while. So you, you, you kind of rescue her and she gets out. She's sort of friendly and this will become important later. Um, Jack talks with her a little bit, decides that it's going to take too long to copy her systems and use them. So he's actually just going to basically use the base of her AI and overwrite her personality and her memories and her programming to turn her into a pure combat AI, which obviously she's not happy about. So she tries to resist Jack sort of forces your hand and eventually you, you beat her down and you delete the person, the friend um, and turn her into a, a mindless combat AI, basically. Um, so now you have an army. So you take the army, you go back up to the space station, and you start murdering your way through all of the, fir- the Lost Legion. Um, uh, you're during this time, you discover that there's a super weapon on the space station that the Lost Legion's planning to use to destroy Elpis and all of the people on it. Um, you fight your way to the center, and it's it's revealed that the weapon is the Eye of the Destroyer, that beast you destroyed way back in the first game Mm -hmm. that Jack sort of resuscitated just its eye and turned it into a weapon because it shot beams out of its eyes. Of course it did. Um, So um, during this time, you've been helped by Moxie and Lilith and Roland. um, And they, when you get to the eye, they, they, they double cross Jack. Um, They're not, they, they basically set the eye to overload because nobody should have that much power and um teleport off the station, leaving you and Jack alone on the station when it's about to blow up um Jack um basically stops the station from blowing up. you kind of pull some shenanigans um he t- starting to become unhinged now. He's ranting pretty aggressively. says some pretty horrible things and is starting to talk about everybody who's not on his side as bandits <laughs> and how he has to kill all of the bandits. Um, so this is kind of the, the breaking point. And I'm going to interject here. And there's a I don't remember where this came from. I think it's one of the side quests. But you find out that um, one of the reasons why Jack is unhinged is oh. because when Angel, his daughter developed her siren powers. She killed her mother. You don't know the details, but you do know that somehow she accidentally killed her mom.
0: Yeah, she was. Well, he claims that uh, he claims that Angel was the cause of her disappearance. But then there was there's a bit of confusion too because I was, if I remember right, there's a. There's a bit of a confusion because then you later find a a journal from from his wife, who he says is a second wife, who says to shut the angel project down. Yeah. So there's, but um, I thought you were going to talk about his grandmother.
2: Oh right, right. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'll let, I'll let you cover that when I'm done. Okay. Because uh, that'll segue into a, uh, one of the funnier missions from the second game that I want to talk about. Okay. Um. So. So you, now that you've, you've kind of done this, you decide you're going to, um, oh, and during this point you kill, uh, uh, you kill Zarpadon before you get to the eye. Sorry, I forgot. Um, and she sort of mentions that you're on the wrong side of history here, that opening this vault is nothing but bad, and that you can't do it, right? You have to stop it, that the Lost Legion is actually the good guys in the story, despite their tactics being kind of evil, because you have to – like, whatever's in there is so catastrophically bad that it can't be – nobody can get to it, right? That's why they stayed on the planet. That's why they they converted themselves kind of – into this fanatical faction is because they had to stop anybody from getting into this vault. Um, and she does reveal during that fight that it's already been opened. Um, so you're, it's kind of on a clock to get in there and fight or, you know, do whatever you're going to do. Um, so, you go down to the planet and you fight your way through these lost legion, and you notice that not all of them are fully human anymore. Some of them are kind of alienish and kind of mutated, and some of them mutate as you're fighting them um, so that's that's kind of a weird weird thing like these humans are not fully human anymore um, so you fight your way into this vault and you find um this these Empyrean people or constructs um, protecting it and you fight your way through them. And when you defeat it, there's nothing, there's nothing there. Jack starts kind of freaking out. And, but there's this, this symbol, which you see all throughout the game, which is the vault symbol um, floating in the midair. Um, He touches it and he starts getting a vision of the warrior awakening from the second game. Um, But Lilith shows up and kind of, smashes him into the face and interrupts the vision before he can see everything, which is why the second game happens, because he doesn't know how to open the vault, just that it's there. Um and this is where Jack loses it. Like he just he starts ranting, he's completely lost his mind. He's you know done being like all the friendliness is gone. The amiable nature is gone. The kind of good um the kind of good guy that sort of started this journey has like Jack has killed that person and be, and just the evils left. Um, Athena takes this moment to leave. She's like, you've lost your damn mind. I'm leaving. Um, he's like, no, you can't. But she just walks out. Um, there's kind of a cut scene where Jack walks into the person who has, who runs Hyperion, who's sort of been antagonizing Jack throughout the game in kind of a humorous manner oh, and literally, literally just empties a clip into the guy and sits down at his desk. Like nobody argues. Right. Cause kind of, like I said, it's a dystopian universe. Um, and this guy has shown that he's completely unhinged. Um,
0: this is, uh, I did, I did want to point out, this is also, uh, the point where Jack gets the mask grafted.
2: To yes. his face. Uh, because the, the, the symbol that vault that, uh, he was looking at gets burned into his face right, when right. And Lilith
0: smashes his face, his left eye gets destroyed. Yeah. So,
2: um, so the four characters that are in this game are Athena, which I'll more later, cause she's kind of relevant. Um, Nisha, who's a villain in this in the second game. Wilhelm, who I mentioned already. Um, and Claptrap is actually a character.
0: Yay!
2: Um, Claptrap, you see him getting dismantled and left for dead in the area at the beginning of the game. Um, you see Wilhelm and Nisha kind of doubling down on Jack's new crusade, like, joining the cause and, and drinking the Kool-Aid, as it were. And mm-hmm. Athena actually, you see Athena throwing the money that Jack handed her away. Like, she's like, I, this is This is tainted, and I don't want any part of it. Um, So that's basically the end of the game. It cuts back to where Lilith is interrogating Athena, and being that she's still grieving and kind of pissed, she's like, I don't care. Um, I don't care that you walked away. I care that you helped him do what he did and hurt all the people he did, kill her. Um, At that moment, that scary alien thing that stopped your bullets shows up, stops the bullets again and says, you basically says you can't afford to waste any resources. Like there's a war coming and you're going to need all of the vault hunters you can get. Um, because things are going to get bad. And she also reveals herself to be one of the Iridians, So like that, that precursor species that kind of everybody thought was gone may not be a hundred percent gone. Um, and that's kind of where the game closes, you know, leaves, the, leaves the setup for, um, for borderlands three which is in the works um so the mission that i want to i want to talk about is, uh in relation to the one blue is going to talk about with, with jack's grandma is a mission where he actually hands you a mission just it's like i want you to go up on a mountain and jump <laughs> off and kill yourself and all throughout the game he's mocking you he's like don't be a b- just do it get up there and jump off that thing and you actually can just choose not to right you get up there and it gives you two options and like he knows that you're immortal right because it's you're the you're the player and like you keep resing whenever you die. So if you throw yourself off, he just kind of mocks you for you know you know jumping through his hoops for his reward. Um but it's it's pretty hilarious and it ties to a mission that uh, Blue is gonna talk yeah, about.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, are you are you talking about the to grandma? Yeah. So, so I'll let you. Yeah, so Jack, you know, as as demo was kind of talking about jack's unhinged having some pretty deep roots um <clears throat> jack's jack has actually had a pretty rough time of it in perspective in his, in the context of his life when he was young his father actually died and his mother instead of kind of you know stepping up and taking care of him just dumped him on her mother or jack's grandmother um and we don't really know what happened, but we know at a minimum, at a minimum, Jack was pretty hard or pretty, pretty physically abused, um, by this, by this elderly lady. Um, and it, to, to the degree that as it comes, as you come to find out in the mission, there's a mission that says to grandmother's house, we go. That's actually the mission. Um, you actually find out that, as an adult, once that he once he got the political power and the the military strength, he basically just had his grandmother murdered. Uh, he like deliberately had a
2: ban. Well, that is kind of the mission that you do. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. well he. I think I, I kind of got the feeling from the mission that it was more of you were there to confirm that she actually was dead. Yes, um, yes. Because so like the mission. So basically, the mission is. Jack wants you, or wants a Vault Hunter to go check to go quote check on his grandmother in her, in her that he's college. very
2: concerned about.
0: <laughs> yeah, that he's and and he offers a ton of assurance that he is not leading you into a trap, which yeah. generally is a red flag. Um, Although he, he isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, anyways, so anyways, you go to this cottage, and you know, quite quite quickly, it becomes apparent that it's been attacked. Um, And then that's Jack uh, calls in and is like, oh, please help, please help, or um, please check to make sure she's safe. And, you know, and then basically it's like, kill them, kill the bandits, which is a very common Jackism, is kill all the bandits. Um, So you kill all the bandits. I think there's like five or six bandits. You kill all the bandits. And when you go inside, you find the body of his grandmother, which is, you know, pretty obviously long, long been dead. Um, And I guess... I think she has a buzz axe or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. buzz axe. As soon as you pick up the the weapon, uh, Jack calls and like he's crying, but then like you quickly find out they're not it. They're not sad cries; they're actually sobs of relief. Um, and then and then he goes on to explain that the he was actually worried that the, you that the vault hunters were going to kill the bandits who he hired to kill his grandmother before they had the chance to finish the job of killing his grandmother. And so yeah. now that the bandits are dead, Jack doesn't need to pay the bandits. He just needs to pay one person instead of five people. <laughs> and so, which again, unhinged, completely unhinged, but there's a bit of a, a cause to, to, that yeah. And he's
2: not just a, he's just not just a mindless villain. There's, right, there's right. reasons there's... for him to be this person that he has become. You're right.
0: So, yeah, that was that, and you know his his trademark mask is all because well and it was actually kind of the catalyst for some of i i think some of his insanity was he was in the middle of the vision, and a siren basically drop kicks him, yep yeah, to the face yeah it's it was not pretty i mean you can only imagine what happened then, but yeah, so. Yeah, I think I think that's. And then, was there any? Were there any DLCs for the pre prequel?
2: There were, but they're not. There's nothing particularly story poignant. They're they're good DLC, but they're not. I mean, we can go into them, but they're not really part of the main story. They're they're just side stories.
0: Okay. Yeah, and uh, Tales, um, like I'm just not familiar with it enough to yeah, go into it. I think if I remember Tales from the Borderland, we kind of we kind of spoke about them, the the uh, the chronological placement. Um, they where did they go. So episodes one to three take place after Borderlands two, but before the pre sequels prologue and epilogue. So before Lilith gets her hands on Athena, basically. Um, yeah. And really, roughly, Tales of the Borderland. Uh, this is this was so. Just as a note, Tales of the Borderland is a Telltale game series, not a 2K game. So different, different developer entirely. But it was made in conjuncture with, you know, obviously Gearbox. Um, so, and, and it, it is canon. It yeah, it is. I was about to say it is. It is technically canon. So that's it's interesting too because Tales. Um, actually introduces you don't play as a vault hunter you actually play as uh two two options you have a con artist and then actually a businessman from hyperion so you actually get to play as a member of one of the corporations which i think we should get into just a little bit if we can because corporations yeah. are really fascinating
2: yeah i'll do uh, the corporations next that, okay that was
0: perfect my plan. Um so basically the main characters uh, if i if i'm understanding i have not played tales so this is a summary from the the uh, borderlands wiki um, mm-hmm. so this is you know obviously fan made wiki so take that worth, for what it's worth but the two main they're, characters they're pretty good uh, yeah I've, I've i've i use the same one that they have for skyrim and i've never really found anything too bad Um, The two main characters is Reese, who is the Hyperion businessman, and Fiona, who is a con artist. Now, obviously, they are completely different personality-wise, but the circumstances of the game or the circumstances within the episodes that comprise Tales of the Borderland um, kind of force them to have to work together. And my understanding – I'm trying to find my notes on Tales – um. So you have zero sum, and then you have Atlas mugged, catch a ride, escape plan Bravo, and the Vault of the Traveller. Um. And so basically, this walks through kind of. I, I know at the end of Vault of the Or in Vault of the Traveller, Reese actually has become CEO of Hyperion. So um, yeah.
2: Then that's kind of the 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 arc, the, the point think, of the game. That's yeah. kind of what you want to do, and is, like there's.
0: No, go for it. Go for it.
2: No, that's pretty much all I had. Okay,
0: um, so like tale, tales of the Borland is obviously you know like um like Damo was saying with Jack, you know he just murders the previous president, Reese kind of finangles his way to the top of Hyperion. Um, my understanding also is that um this introduces a couple interesting things. So uh, zero sum introduces an AI form of handsome Jack. Um, yep, which is interesting. Uh, this is also the beginning of one of Jack's crazy plans for finding the Vault of the Traveler, which is another vault. Um, and I think Zero Sum is where you get entered—well, not introduced, but you technically, in the the chronological order of the game, you get introduced to Zero, who is one of the Vault Hunters from Borderlands Two, I think. If this is that, where that, um. And then, you know, in in standard fashion, Atlas mugged is kind of the second step of the plan. It's called the Gotis Gortis project, uh, which is kind of this mad concept that Jack has running. Um, and so, as you go through it, it's con- it's basically uh, Reese and Fiona kind of f- trying to trying to come out ahead while also following Jack's crazy orders. Um, And then it's also, you know, about the time that you get to catch a ride, that's when you start getting this, this, um, the story starts taking a progress where recent Fianna are not just following orders, but they're actually trying to manipulate the situation so that they can get in control of the vault key because they start, you know, everyone starts understanding the vault key concept and stuff like that. Um, and then we get to, so, Zero sum, Atlas mugged, and catch a ride all happen before the pre sequel. Escape Plan Bravo and the Vault of the Traveler happens shortly after the pre sequel, is my understanding. So Reese and Fiona basically get captured, and you know they it's the process of being of getting through all that and escaping, and then in Vault of the Traveler. Reese is now the CEO of Hyperion, um, but he is indebted to Jack and then jack who is who has now taken the ai jack and put him into a robot basically um has what what is he doing he's like he's basically trying to take over hyperion as well
2: mm-hmm. in his
0: own way and yeah so it it's just it's just interesting because this is this is one of the titles that give you a view of the borderlands universe but you know, up, this is the game where every other game in Borderlands, you've been a vault hunter, <clears throat> which while they're very diverse and they're very different in their approaches to combat, really kind of seem to be on the same kind of consistent side of the, the, the board. This kind of gives you an option to be kind of, kind of view the other side of the board, see what the other side is thinking. So, and then I'm going to, Gonna let you talk about those pesky corporations. The dozen. So there's,
2: there's a number of corporations. We don't know about much about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the what the the big ones we do know about are um, Hyperion, which has basically been covered because it's basically Jack. I mean that's that is Hyperion. Right. Um. There's um. Atlas, which we also covered, Um, I'll go into a little bit about why Athena behaved the way she did, um, which is that um, basically Hyperion or uh, Atlas decided that as a sort of to test her loyalty, they were going to um, have her execute a military operation in which she pacified a village that happened to have her sister in it. Uh, when she found out about that, is when she lost her gore and decided to tear the corporation down. Um, and you find out actually that the guy you kill in that first DLC, General Knox, basically hated everything he was doing um, and just rails about how stupid this whole thing um, was. Like, basically, they took their best assassin and turned her against the corporation. Um, so, that's, that's sort of his take on it. So,. Um, which, so that's sort of them. Accurate. Yeah. Uh, the other one that's sort of big is the Torg corporation, um, which is, um, run by, uh, this ridiculously over the top crazy meathead. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I mean it, he is just ludicrously, um, Royd, ragey, stary, stereotype. Um, but he does, he does have a great arc as the game goes on, and it, it develops into a really cool story for him. But um he starts out as just this sort of pointless meathead, um, and it's kind of funny. And they're actually the only corporation that we we sort of know is good. Um they're sort of the only the only ones that seem to be sort of on the up and up, right? They're not they're not really villainous. They're not they're they're kind of kind of kind of crazy um (laughs) but not not really malicious right they're not trying to Torg. they're not trying to conquer the universe they're not trying to do anything which is so
0: funny because torg's naming convention for their weapons is like they're all like super violent (laughs) they're super violent with really sexual connotations to them yeah um and like torg's hilarious
2: yeah no he really is um and like they all use explosives because Tork himself right, is right, really yeah. obsessed with explosives. <laughs> um,
0: they also make fun of Jacobs for using wood.
2: Yeah, well, and for for not using explosives.
0: Yeah, and yeah, that's their main. That's their main jab at anybody. You yeah, know, you could use more explosives. Yeah,
2: um, and so the, there's a, there's another. That's pretty much I covered. Teddy or it being the Walmart of guns as well, mm-hmm. but that's, those are pretty much the ones we have story about. Uh, there's Jacobs there, they're sort of raison d'être is the, like, I, they're kind of the last, last word style guns, uh, you know, revolvers, uh, bolt action, sniper rifles, that sort of thing. And they, um,
0: they don't have elements, right? Jacobs. Is no, the they do them. not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They usually, they hit like trucks too. Mm-hmm. They tend to be pretty accurate. Um, Malawan is the opposite. They're basically all elemental weapons. They're really shiny and fancy. They look star Trek-y or star Warsy. Um, they're very, very fancy like that. Um, doll is sort of, they have kind of a real world look to them. They're very efficient and effective. Um, they tend to be hyper, uh, hyper low on recoil, very easy to use. Um, who else am I forgetting? I got Teddy, or we got Torg,
0: S and S munitions.
2: S and S is a we didn't know anything about them. They yeah. made stuff at first game. Uh, The second game, they were replaced by Bandit, which are basically kit bashed homemade weapons by
0: people on oh, Pandora. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, did and yeah, we don't. Iridian's not really a man. You, you got Malawan, Torg, Vladoff. Yeah.
2: Oh, Vladoff, Vladoff is the bullet hose. Even their sniper rifles. This. um
0: you don't need to be a better shot you just need to shoot more, need bullets. more
2: bullets bullets <laughs> yep that's them um yeah uh and we know they're 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 russian themed as you might guess from the name but all their all their guns are named russian
0: words and then there are <clears throat> there there are two manufacturers that actually do not produce projectile weapons there's Anshin.
2: Which are shields and class items,
0: pangolin, right, which is all the same, but they're grenades yeah. too, right
2: yeah, I think they would, i think i don't think Anshin makes grenades, I think it's mostly pangolin or oh, Pan- Pan- Pan-
0: pangolin does rubberized grenades, anshin makes transfusion grenades,
2: oh right because they're the, they're the healing grenades, yeah, yeah.
0: those things are awesome yeah. um I think I'm trying to think if there was any. There, there actually is kind of a, I I don't know if this is really an Easter egg, but there was a gearbox manufacturer in the game.
2: Oh yeah. There's pre-order weapons. Yeah. Pre-order weapons. Oh, so there are actual
0: weapons for it. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: I was like, I don't know if if you actually had weapons.
2: If you pre-order, if you basically, if you get the handsome collection them because you got all of the DLC. But if you pre-ordered okay. or bought some DLC, you got you started out with some guns instead of basically having to pick up whatever you found off the floor.
0: Awesome. And so okay, so here's here's what makes this even crazier. Is so we have we have roughly 10 10 manufacturers who make weapons, right? And you remember at the beginning of this episode we were talking about the procedural generation of weapons. So not only do each of these weapons you know, get pro- kind of basically procedurally generated at random when you, when you f- generate them before you. So when you get the loop drop, it's kind of then generated, which is not anything big. The The crazy thing is, is like Damo was saying, each part of these guns can be from a different manual. Now there's, there's limits. Like there's, you know, some manufacturers I think that don't go with other manufacturers, but Damo, isn't that correct? Like the actual parts are, you can have like a doll barrel and a yeah i mean it's Hyperion really really in d- stock basically
2: yeah it really depends on the stuff and i'm not that savvy on it because mostly i just like picking up the guns and shooting bandits with them but yeah there, there's basically certain restrictions but like there's also there's a lot of mixing that can occur and it creates different things and the interesting thing is that like the the legendary weapons that they have the the orange ones actually are still like they come with certain properties and there's guaranteed things that they do but they're There's a lot that's random too, which is kind of fun because like, you know, your, your version of the gun might work differently than your friends.
0: And that's that, that enters into a really cool aspect of Borderlands, which is the, the co-op play. Um, Because you can actually trade guns with other people as they jump in and out. I know uh, when we got, when I got the handsome collection for the Xbox one and I was playing Borderlands two with my brother and, you know, I'd play, you know, If he wasn't online, you know, I'd putz around and play a little bit and then, you know, and he would do the same. And then when we were online together, we'd jump in and, you know, we, we like, we have different play styles. He plays more of a tank character. I play more of a sniper character. but knowing that I would, I would keep hold of items that I knew that he would need. And then when we met up, just, we'd trade. Cause you could actually trade items in the game for the most part. And so yep. that's, that's really cool though, too, because like what you're saying, you know, even if you're running through missions, he runs through the same mission I ran yesterday today. He could get the sniper that I need. That's better on the random generation pieces than the sniper that I got for the same thing. And it makes it, it makes it a lot more. It makes the replayability for me, at least a lot more appealing. Um, especially, you know, like what you were saying earlier as well. You can, you can take, you beat the game. You can restart it using your current character and cur- current levels with a more difficult setting. Um, that added to the just flat out hilarious comedy makes makes Borderlands one of one of my easily one of my favorite games. So yeah, but I'm trying to think. Did we? Did we touch on everything? I know a lot of the chat for last month was mostly summary and, you know, discussion of Handsome Jack and the corporations mostly throwing Handsome Jack quotes around, which since we try to stay PG on here, you know, that eliminates 98%
2: of
0: his quotes. So
2: Realistically, it's a hundred. There's just a few where you can bleep them and still get what he's saying. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I mean, I'll give him credit. Some of them, some of them are implied explicitness, yeah. but um, they're pretty bad. I'm trying to think. Do do do. I think the only other thing that we kind of touched on was the um, the time periods, like the Iridium. But we kind of touched on that too in the chat when we talked yeah, about we Iridium.
2: Covered that the first part,
0: and then yeah, you you talked about the Doll Corp and how they abandoned everybody
2: which is basically where all the bandits came from um, most of them are people who are either descended from the original colonists or the original colonists themselves who just lost their mind mm-hmm. like this like starving on the planet because it's not a hospital planet this isn't this isn't you know Nebu or Coruscant this is this is Tatooine
0: yeah yeah this is this is not this is the 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 armpit of the universe if you and that's putting it, and that's putting it yeah, nicely, nicely, yeah. And I'm trying to think. I don't. Tr- 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 I think that's. I think that kind of covers a good summary. And like I, like I was saying, um, you know, obviously these episodes are definitely meant to be a high level summary of the series. Okay? Yeah. We we sometimes will get off on tangents and talk about details. You know, um, that you know, more detailed aspects, especially if the chat, especially if the chat, you know, was on a, on a binge about that one particular subject. But usually it's just a big summary. Uh, We do try to do, I do try to make sure that we have a channel on the discord server that matches the chat. So if we have like, we have a borderlands channel, if you're interested in the borderlands games, let us know Let a mod or an admin in the server. know, and we'll get you into that channel. Um, and that's where a lot of like the more detailed conversations, like, you know, I mean, the thing with Borderlands is you can talk about weapon, you know, stats and stuff, just like you can actually more than what you can with destiny to a degree because of just the, the huge amount of possibilities. I think Justin said there was like 17 million different ways you could get a gun. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely something that we love seeing the continued conversation. We do have the mind map, of course, another big, big shout out to the, the team who helped put that together. Cause that was no, no small feat. Um, but yeah, I think we can, I think we can officially move into final comments and shout outs. If you want to, if you want to lead the way demo. Uh,
2: sure. Yeah. Um, this week I have a specific shout out that I want to do, uh, which is, uh, the, the the writer for Borderlands 2, Anthony Birch, who's a fantastic guy and is responsible for a lot of what made Borderlands 2. Great. Uh, he has uh, a web series that's called Hey Ash, What You Playin', uh, which he and his sister do. And his sister is actually the person who played Tiny Tina.
0: Yeah, I saw, um, um, I think, Hurt Chain said that earlier in the chat. Uh, Ashley yeah. Birch, I believe.
2: Yeah. and or cipher, uh, she's cipher. Actually- I'm sorry.
0: Cypher was the one.
2: She's actually got another game coming up that uh um call on PlayStation 4 only, unfortunately, uh called uh Horizon, which is one to keep an eye out. But if you you should go watch that series, uh because it's really, like I said, fantastic and uh pretty much unbeatable. So uh that's that's my shout out.
0: That's your shout out. All right. Well mine basically Thank you for everybody who participated in the extra lore chat in November. And thank you, Damo, for agreeing to come on and be the, be the expert, the subject matter expert for this, this month's extra lore. Really appreciate that. Anytime. And um, so, so, you know, we've started with the focus fire, normal episodes. We started doing emails. Uh, We call them dispatches from the wild. And I think we, I want to try to start doing that with the extra lore stuff. I know it's kind of a, tougher topic because it's all obviously over a month since I, from time to time. So, but obviously, if you have any thoughts or questions, um, I, like I said, this month, uh, for the month of December, we are talking about Mass Effect. So that will be the episode that we release at the start of January. Um, we might have a couple surprises for that episode for you. Uh, we're trying to iron some details out there. But, um, if you have any thoughts, um, have any questions or anything like that with Mass Effect, please feel free to email us, uh, at the Focusfire chat email, which is just focusfirechat at gmail.com. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, and but if you do have a chance and you are interested and you are not already involved in the insanity, because it is I I swear that chat is like five hundred messages since I last looked at it. It's going pretty fast. Um, they're running I think they're running through the summary of the universe the last time I looked in there and I was like, oh, Okay. Mass Effect, I'd never played Mass Effect, so
2: Kind of, I mean, Mass Effect is solidly hard sci-fi. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's one deep rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, well, I I started I started reading, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to sit down and like seriously read through. This is not something I can just browse. Um, and I'm really excited, actually. I'm I'm kind of curious what we're gonna what we get to talk about. So. Um, I think Justin stepped away for a moment. So with all that being said, we are going to just start wrapping up the chat. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for spending your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus fire chat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Damo, for jumping into the chat. We, as I said, we really appreciate having you as a part of the chat. Um, as always, always glad always got to get you back on again. Uh, um, yeah, then please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast. Let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or if you'd like through that email as well. We do try to stream a recap of the month-long extra lore conversations in the first week of each month, but if we have any variations, we will always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, which is at focusfirechat. Also, Please be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on the So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.